All right, so what we're dealing with now, again, is the special brachot. Last time, if you recall, we had this wonderful section of dealing what what is not appropriate for a Talmud Chacham to do, or to wear, or where to go. Very interesting stuff that was totally off-topic. And what brought it to the topic was that a, a um, Talmud Chacham should not go perfumed out into the shuk, and that led to an entire section of what is considered to be appropriate behavior and dress doesn't say much about speaking, but great behavior and dress having to do with the Talmud Chacham. We now go back to the Mishnah and back to the sections dealing with what we're dealing with, which is blessings before and blessings after. Blessings before and blessings after. And that's what this next part will deal with, with a couple of historical notes too. We'll have our archaeologists comment a little bit later, so just prepare please. <laughs> um, you know, you know take, take something to smash, friend. That's how I remember you. And we'll be able to move forward. Again, the goal is on the 11th, we're going to be at, was it Jane's place? Jane's at 8.15. Okay. Um, and we will either finish that day, which we have a good chance of, I think, doing, or finish up on the 18th. Okay? Ready to go, everybody? Okay. Who wants to take it today? Rand, you can want to take it since. Sure. Thank you. Sorry. All right. So you have a meal in front of you, a dish in front of you. What is considered to be the main dish, and what is considered to be the Thing basically that's to help it. Tofel in the ikar is the main. Tofel is that is not the main, not the major. Okay, you you have a full plate of things, and again, you you need one bracha presumably, unless you're going to recite a bracha over everything separately. So maliach basically is salted fish. Okay, we'll actually later talk about sardines. That's that, but take it as that. Okay, herring. Okay, those are your hair, okay? Schmaltz herring, whatever you want to call it. See it that way. And you also have some bread beside it. What's the major part of your meal? The sardines, the herring, or the bread? They're saying here, They brought really a plate of, we'll say herring, okay? In front of him, and beside it, some bread. What's the bread supposed to be for? To dip it, to cut the taste. It's an ancillary. It's not the major thing. You don't. You can say the bracha over the maliach, over the, the we'll say the herring. You don't have to say it for the bread. Why? Zehaklal. Mishnah comes and says this is the major thing. ikar All that which is essential, central, major, and something else comes along with it. Who for tear et atvela. Okay? Just if you don't know, want you to look at the study, Steve. Okay? Yeah, whoever. I just, okay. Rather than just sit there. Um, okay, so under these kind of conditions, basically, the major thing is what you're supposed to do to say it. Now, we're now going to deal with that, seems to be relatively easy to, say, to suggest as. Okay? You're now, who's going to decide, though, what is the major part of the meal? The person who makes it, the waiter who brings it, the person eating it. 
What happens if I'm saying now, you know, gee, I'm going to have two pieces of herring and a whole loaf of bread? I mean, that's not quite the same thing, right? So who makes that kind of decision, and therefore what bracha is said, and why is that bracha said, we say tchila at the beginning, to encompass the others as well? Again, this becomes rather critical because you don't want to say a bracha levatala. You want to say God's name in, in, in an in, inappropriate fashion. So you're trying to be exacting as the case may be. Okay? Let's go forward and we'll come back to the bottom of the page a little later. Now, whoever says that the herring or the salted fish is ikar and everything else becomes secondary to it. Okay? Only somebody who really loves herring and takes a full plate of herring and a piece of bread to wash it down as such or to change the taste or to scoop it up or whatever the case may be. Umika, who really holds that? Genosar. You know the kibbutz Genosar, where is it? Right, in the Galil. In the Galil, in a very fertile area. Right, a very fertile area, an area where they grow a lot of sweet fruit. And they make great jam. Okay, and because of that, because of the fruit. Right, right, because of the fruit, they make jam. They make great jam. Okay, so Rav Avira, not that's in name of Ravashi. and now remember, this is Babylonians talking about Perot Eretz Israel, right? Perot We're talking about those kind of special fruit. We're going to see what kind of fruit that means. All right, special kind of fruit. In those cases, what we're really basically saying that they are so sweet. We're trying. We and we have something. You eat something along with it. You try to take away the sweetness, but the fruit itself is the major major part of the food, the meal itself. Okay, so you would have maybe in addition to the fruit with this very sweet taste, bread and maliach, something which is tafel which is not the major part of your meal and therefore presumably what would you say over Operot Genosar? Even though you may have some you may have some salted fish or some bread along with it. Now they're going to talk about Perot Menasar. Okay, when I went after literally Rabbi Yochanan, you'll notice Rabbi Bar Barchana by the way is in in Babylonia, he's now talking about somebody, Rabbi Yochanan, who's in Palestine. When I followed him, in order, when he was picking Perot Ginasar or eating them, what happened? <laughs> Ziuna. Okay, so what, this is what Rabbi Barbarchana says happened with Rabbi Yochanan. When they would pick a hundred pieces of fruit, they would distribute to everybody ten fruit at a time. And when they would have ten fruit, and it was as if they now gave everybody a hundred. Okay? 
and every hundred of them and it would be, be held in, in a, a, a basket, sav is a basket of three se'im, three a major, uh, you know, some sort of um, major uh, uh, volume, etc. V'achiluhu, and then he would eat them. U'mishtabah, and he would, in a sense, swear delotayim ziyuna that he had really not eaten fruit. That he'd really not eaten food. What is it basically saying? You don't know, really, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't satisfying to. It wasn't filling. Okay, you can have a lot of something and it cannot be filling. We had before talked about wine, we talked about marak, okay? And therefore, since it wasn't filling, presumably he didn't say the brachot are different. It, but they're now bringing a case of the perot ginasar being so sweet, so delectable, that people would eat a lot of it, and at least this story says, and they wouldn't be even full. What is a savata? Right, very good. It's not a savata. You're not filled, okay? All right. There are people, as you know, who are used to eating small volume things a number of times a day, and there's other people who eat a large amount at one time. Who gets filled up? Depends sometimes on your metabolism. All right, depends on your metabolism. Try to deal with, I didn't have them, but I know already. Try to deal with teenage boys who are active. The metabolism goes off the charts. Okay, if they're, if they're in sports things, right? Am I right? Absolutely. That's like, they come home and your, bill, your meat bills and everything go sky high. And they say, oh my God, you can go home now and pay for your own, right? <laughs> Somebody said to me, it's wonderful when they come, it's wonderful when they leave. <laughs> better when they leave. <laughs> I don't go there. All right? You know, and, and with, I had girls, so they're always watching what they're eating. People eat differently, okay? People eat differently. Girls are always, when they're teenagers, always watching. And what do you want to make sure, if you're a parent of a, of a basically a teenage girl, that they're eating, that they're eating, that you don't have the problems of eating disorders, etc. As long as they're eating, you know, on an ongoing basis, and having healthy stuff, etc., you feel good. Boys, it's like, open up the refrigerator and just let it go. <laughs> I see it even with my 11-year-old grandson already. My God, you know, it sits down and can just polish wait. off up. Yeah. Huh? Just wait. I know, just wait. What the kids wait? I'm not paying for their, not paying for their food bills. <laughs> you know, we go out and we order, we order hamburgers. He says he wants the biggest one. Shmuley, can you eat it? Yeah. Hey, there's no, finishes off somebody else's. Yeah. He's like, if you've seen him, he's like a bean pole. All, all four kids are like bean poles, right? Right now. I don't know what'll happen over time. All right, the girls. No, they're active. So, again, what they're saying here is that the metabolism, this is so sweet, it's just like a delicacy. You want to eat as much as you can, but you're never really filled. Okay? Sometimes that goes for everybody. Every meal. Maybe. Ziyuna. that it really never, he never really tasted food. Okay? What's that from? Ziyuna? From Zan, Zanetakol. Ah. Mazon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Ziyuna salkadata ela ema. Mazon, mazona. The real not ziyun is like a lesser part of mazon. Everything's a real. It didn't really sit down and have a meal. Okay. If you see, there are people who gray, what I call grazing, mm-hmm. 
walk every time that something's out on the table, they walk by and take something, but they're never full because they're back for the next real meal. When's when are we eating? Right? So Rabbi Abahu had so much of Peirot Ginazar, Adahave Sharik Le Duvdeva Me Apute, until a fly would fall off his forehead. What does that mean? Smooth skin. So, so smooth skin. He gets very smooth skin. Okay? So, again, most things, if you eat, everybody, you know, if you, if you look at diets, they'll tell you as long as you eat in moderation, you're okay. It's when you eat too much of one thing that you can get in trouble because it, 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 it's going to destroys the metabolism of something. Now, go ahead. Until they started losing their hair. Okay, this is... What was it? What's this trying to teach us? People ate so much of these fruit. Okay, this fruit was apparently delicious. You talked about the jams. Their fruit was so delicious, people would overindulge. It's again, it's just something that ha- that they're bringing to you. Because they were worried about brachot, right, and finish it, fill it, filling up, etc. Um, but you have a couple of stories about perot kinasar, so they're going to put them together in one cadre of learning. The maraid seems to be until he went crazy, until you know the sugar got to him. He had a sugar high, we'll put it that okay? Alright, and what happens when you have a sugar high? You can come lightheaded. Alright, he became lightheaded, we'll call it. Okay, until it came to the port, until Rabbi Yehuda Nasi brought together a group of people. Okay, Rashi says, adam, a population of people to take Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai home. It was like he was drunk. He had a sugar high to such a point. Rashi says, is dato He literally went crazy as such. Okay, what I would call the sugar high at this point. So, what's the purpose of all of this? Again, the purpose of all of this is when do you what do you say the bracha on? Okay, if you had a lot of peyrod ginasar and the maliyak and, and, the, and the bread were ancillary to it, it's the peyrod ginasar. And now we have some stories about peyrod ginasar on the delectability of it, the sweetness of it, the overindulgence with it, and they put it all together so that we'll have it in, in sort of in one section. Okay, so far? Okay, let's look at Iunim Ikarvet Utfela. One would think that normally if you had bread, that would be the most important thing. You'd have to say motzi. This is brought, Steinzel says, the comment says, because it will show you that even bread can be ancillary to another part of the meal. Okay, so some say that if you if you don't eat them exactly together, still that which is major uh, becomes the most important part for the bracha over that which is ancillary to it. 
you know you might you know you might because again the, the, it, you finish a meal and you have a, a bad taste in your mouth okay so you eat something at that point happens a lot right so that's the kind of thing that they're talking about perot kinosar it should be Gorem. Some suggest that the sweetness, the the sweet, the halav teinim, the milk essence that comes from the dates, Gorem lekeavim basvatayim creates um, sores. You know, health issues with regard to your lips, and therefore you want something which is more salty to take that away. I would have said teeth, right? So you have all of that sweetness, etc. It's only when you eat them unripe. Yeah, we're not. Ta- we don't know what they're talking about in terms of whether it's ripe. Right. right. That's saying we just don't know. Okay, but so that's it. Mishtabeya. The next next call. He don't say that he really vowed that I didn't eat anything. Hafraza, 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 exaggeration, Guzma. Okay, he's simply using. Oh, I didn't eat anything. It's not that you didn't eat anything. You're not full. But he kind of said it that way. I swear, you know, I swear I didn't eat anything. Even after man. Even after all of these fruit, what it's what he's saying is, you know, I had all of these fruit. I'm really not full at this point. I can have something else. Sit down for my meal at this point. <laughs> and finally, Oracha Halacha. <laughs> okay. So if you're eating the maldivus. We'll call it the herring, the salty fish, as the major part, and you're eating bread alongside to kind of take away the taste, sort of well, to mop up. It's the maliyak that you say the bracha to. Questions, comments so far? Yes, sir. Isn't it a question of timing as to what foods are brought out when? If you started out a meal and uh, they brought you simply bread. Right. Okay. Yeah, then for sure. It's a mozi, and then you don't have to say anything after right. that. This is, you know, you haven't said mozi, and they bring you up, you order a plate of uh, schmaltz herring. And they bring the bread at the same time. And they bring the bread at the same time, so, exactly. Okay, next thing before we just go on to it. Yanai HaMelech, one of the most fascinating people in, in ancient Jewish life. Yanai HaMelech was of the Hasmonean stock, um, was considered at first by the Pharisees to be very suspect. His wife was Shlom Tzion HaMalka, Salome the Queen. You know it because of the street in Jerusalem, I know. Okay, I know that. Alright? And her brother was Shimon Ben Shetach. Shimon Ben Shetach is one of the first of the Pharisees and had an enormous amount of impact upon Yanai. Yanai wanted to ingratiate himself to the um, Pharisees, to the rabbis, 
And there are a number of stories of where he basically said, you tell me what, you, what I need to do and I'll do it. Or, I realize that I need your help. We also have stories of when he went up on Sukkot and he was pelted with etrogin because they felt, you're not really part of us. You're an outside person, the Hasmoneans married the Edomians, Herod eventually, etc., etc. It's a very important time in the um, history of the Pharisees, and Shimon ben Shetach seems to have an, uh, an impact. Shlom Siona Malka reigned after him, and it was a little closer to the Pharisees, um, and it's really a very intriguing part. And again, where do we find any historical background to this? Josephus. Josephus is the only one who really gives us some sort of history. As we've said before, the Talmud isn't history. You pick out kernels from the, hist from the stories to get to some levels of history. But Josephus has a, a good deal of, of material on Janus. He was very a very important part of the kingdom, and there's a critical part of the change from the, the, really the, the rivalry, I would say, between the Hasmoneans, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, etc. All three have streets right around each other. All these what? All, all three of them have streets named. Shatanka is right near Indiana, is right there. What era? What era? We're talking... It's, a, it's after the Maccabees. Okay? Right. I would say I would say 100 or so around the date I would have given, before the common era. Okay? It's before the common... Before the Romans took over. The Romans took over in 63 before the common era when Pompey came in. Actually was invited in because of the fight between Aristobulus and Menelaus for the high priesthood. He was invited in and eventually said, I'm going to decide, and the Romans never left, of course. That became part of it. This is just before that, um, but it's post-Maccabee time, which is 168 to 165 before the Common Era, and the Hasmoneans are on the throne. They've taken over the high priesthood, and taking over the high priesthood on the throne is one thing. Taking over the high priesthood when they're not really high priests for the rabbis is just simply beyond the bounds. So, is he another hand? Okay, so Yenai is a very important person in this. Uh, as I said, the whole intrigue of his wife Shlom Sion and sh her brother Shimon ben Sheta becomes critical to uh, seeing the rabbis move, if you will, up the line against the monarchy, and that's why eventually why they have a, an enormous amount of trouble with Herod. And Herod has an enormous amount of trouble with them. Okay, Herod may have been a great builder, as we all know, but he was a megalomaniac. Killed his wives, killed his kids, killed anybody who was in his way, etc. Yes. What? Is yes right, right. He was a Idumean too. I mean, that's right. Okay, so this is very significant. We're, you know, we're getting to Hanukkah. This is just after the period of Hanukkah, but Hanukkah sets up the Hasmoneans clearly on the throne. Okay. Okay, Bahar HaMelech. I don't know where Har HaMelech is in this case. I don't know if it means where his palace is, where one of his... Uh, yeah, they always had more than one palace. Um, I can't really find exactly where it is. I don't think there are any, are there any notes anywhere about that. I haven't found any. Um, okay, but we have a story about... 
Yanai in in a mela behar hamela. Okay, it was such a fertile area. They used to take out shishim ribo, sixty thousand siflei tarit. Tarit is sardines. Again, the maliach to bring to those who would cut down the te'inim what are te'inim? figs okay may Arab Shabbat may Arab Shabbat during the course of a week in other words this land was so fertile that they were able to cut figs for such a long he needed a huge force and able to do it and they were served properly with this kind of numbers to be able to, to do it under these canes okay um now, why, why did they need this? Okay, uh, the Steinzel says the the fruit was so sweet that they needed again this malia, this salted fish, in order to combat the sweetness. Okay. Now we're going to find stories about Yanai. Okay, you story about Yanai's and the fertility of the soil during his time. Now, why does this become important? Because again, if the, the, the concept is that who does the blessing of the soil? God. You're not going to bless Yanai with the fertility of the soil unless God allows it. So there's a theology here as well behind the historical concept of fertile fertility of the land during Yanai's time. And again, he's a very interesting character in that realm. Okay, he had one tree, which again, there were so many gozalot or pigeons. They came from the brechot, really are the pigeon doves, the coats, you know, the, where the pigeons are grown up, nests, whatever you want to call them, so many. From three of them, you would have 40 se'ah, which is a huge number. The columbarium, right. Okay, now the columbarium, this is on the tree, so I don't know if it was a ka-ka, right? Because it's an ilan, that's the only question. Why well, wasn't going to call it a columbarium, it was more of a nest. But yeah, I mean, that's where they stayed, the pigeons, as we know. Okay, another one. Okay, there was a city. We, this has nothing to do with anything, except we'll see the end. They had this tradition. We're talking about cities, we're talking about places, we're talking about during this particular time. There was a certain city in Eretz Israel called Gufnit. I have no idea where that is. Okay, and, and nobody seems to add any uh, understanding of where it is either. So, this was a special city. Okay, there were 80 brothers who were Kohanim and 80 sisters who were Kohanim. But Kohanim, and they married one another. Not good. It's very good. Why not? Why not good? They're different families. N not necessarily. Who said they're not necessarily the same families? Okay, not a problem. Not a problem. 
Now, what's this, what's significant about saying this? What does it tell you? Hmm? Okay, number one, it's unusual. Number two? They had a special city for Kohanim. This is huge families. Okay? Doesn't say they're... <coughs> they're huge families. We know in the Middle Ages, the guilds lived together in medieval cities. Okay? Shoemakers would live together, blacksmiths would live together, etc. This is the same kind of thing. We know, what do we know from the Torah? We don't know about cities of Kohanim, but we know the cities of Levim. How many cities are there? Mm, 48. Of which six are Arang Miklat. Six are the cities of refuge. Three on each side of the Jordan. But there are 48 Levitical cities. The Levites live together. Why is that important that they live together? They don't own land. They have to live in cities. And every so often, they're going to go to serve in Jerusalem when their rotation comes. It was most of our jobs as Yisraelim to make sure that they were well cared for. At the end of Leviticus, we have a whole story of redemption of walled-in cities, except for Levine. They could get back to their, their, their homes at any time, because that's all they owned. And they had a garden. But they didn't own land and they didn't farm land, which the rest of the Israelites did. I have a question. But it's confusing to me. Tishim Zugot? How many people? 90 or 180? No, no. It, it seems to be there were third, there were 80 Zugot Achim. 80 pairs. Okay? 80 pairs. Seven, okay. Seven wives for seven brothers. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> eighty pairs of men and eighty pairs of women. They married with one another. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Who actually owned the Levitical cities? Anybody? Karen Kayyem of Israel. <laughs> By that I mean you don't own land in Israel. Okay? You don't own land in Israel. When I bought my apartment, we had to decide who owns the land. Is it, is it the Catholic or Armenian churches? Because they own an enormous amount of lands in Jerusalem. Is it the, the state? Is it private ownership? It's a huge thing. They're building a place right next to me. You know where that comment used to be? Mm -hmm. And when they did the advertising, says, this is Karka that's not owned by anybody. Because that's critical. If it's owned by the church, they can demand it back. What happened was you got 99-year leases. Okay? And again, look at all the kibbutzim. You always see on the bottom of the sign, Karen Kayama Israel. They were leased to those people. So I would say the people who lived there, in a sense, worked it, but it belonged to all of Israel. Yeah. Like England, because the crown. <coughs> by private home, it, it's a land of the government. Mm-hmm. Because Karen Kayemet officially was not the government. It's still not the government. The government doesn't own the land that Karen Kayemet does. That's created all kinds of issues itself, which I really don't want to go into. What was? Owned by who? The church. The church. Hmm. Yeah. Jerusalem for sure and you had to go what's known as the tabla which is the city records my lawyer had to go to the city records to find out who owned that land 
That was Tabla, okay. But not, not to be confused okay. with Tabla. You get a title? What? You get a title? You don't get, you don't get title to the land. No, no, do you get a title policy that says who won the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, sorry. Uh, we, we are, where our apartment is, is just, just basically inside the green line. I mean, we're in, in, in the Jerusalem process, but it was no man's land for many, many years. Okay, that's what most of Talpiot and all of Arnona was. Okay, from the Perry people, a lot of people you know live there. It was all no man's land. Everything was built post '67. Some of it's in Arnona is still being built now. And actually, in Talpiot, where I am, some of the stuff is still being built too, and they're going through all kinds of reconstructions, etc. So this becomes critical for that realm. Now, let's keep going. Now, that's what happened in Eretz Israel, you know, in in Irachat B Israel. I don't know where. The surah literally means all over Babylonia. We looked all over Babylonia to see if the same thing would take place. Now the knowledge of what I had just said is there's no temple. Kohanim don't have to live together. There's no Arei Levi'im. So, of course they're not going to find it. And the only thing they could found was the sister, the brothers of one married the sisters of the others, the seven brothers, seven sisters as such, but they weren't Kohanim. That's the closest they could get. Okay, again, go back to our grandparents and great-parents, it was not unusual for brothers to marry sisters. Okay? Not unusual whatsoever. No, not God forbid in their own family. No, no. In, in other words, two sisters would marry two brothers. No, no, no. no. What? That's your story? Well, my, my, my grandfather and uh, his brother Married my grandmother and her sister. Right. right. Not, unu- not unusual. Because you, if you're going to have a shit up, then you know the family. Yeah. Why not? And you trust that I family. Don't know how so. well they got along. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different story. That was a, that wasn't a consideration. Was a different story. Okay. Next. Now we come back to what we're really talking about. If you want to have a meal, you got to have something salty. Because the whole first part happens to simply with Peirot Kinosar. That's the part that doesn't have anything to do with anything. This part goes back to that first part. Okay? No, that's got to do with Korbanot. That's got nothing to do with this. Okay, anything that doesn't have either a cooked thing or milk or, or gravy or soup. It says soup as well. Okay, and from the old country, if there's somebody, you know, in the meals, if we didn't have soup, forget it. Forget, it wasn't a meal. It was like a snack. Right? There's certain things in each family's culinary history that said you got to have X. Okay, that refers back now to what we were talking about above. Um, Yes, yeah, the whole issue of Peyrokino Sar, and this is the part that's kind of thrown in. Now we're back to the whole thing. Now, now we're going to talk about after the fact. Can somebody please help us give out the, the benchers, the blue books, so everybody can look at least on Because I want to look at the text itself. 
Okay, you're going to have to share. It looks like people have been walking away with them. Okay, we're going to start a new Mishnah collection. Okay, as long. Thank you. This is our last Mishnah of this parak. Okay, the last Mishnah of this one. So. We're going to just hold the book right now. You don't have to open it yet. I'll tell you when to open it, okay? Put down your pencils until I say, turn over your papers. They have no idea what that means today. I mean, just, okay? I mean, none. Okay, a pencil is something you write on your tablet with. Okay. So if you have anavim grapes, te'enim figs, rimonim pomegranates, you're supposed to say after them shalosh brachot, which is brikadamazon. Okay, the Rabbi Gamliel, rachamim omrim bracha achat me'en shalosh, the abbreviated bracha which we're going to look at. Rabbi Akiva, this, this is ultimately Pam Barmash's Shuva. If you had cooked vegetables and that was your meal, then you have to say Berkaramazon. That's what, remember, we talked about this last year when we looked at her Shuva. It said as long as you're Savata, you finished, that's what you should say. I think there's a brilliant example of Akiva representing his background and the people he came from versus okay. all the rest of them. The answer is it very could right. Okay, a very Finkelstein approach. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, good. I'm glad. That's the way this, you can see these texts. Okay. Let's some oh, you drink water because you're thirsty. Okay, so what do you say? You say Shakol Yevivaro. Rabbi Tarfon says Borenet Fashot Rabot Chesvanana Kol Mashabarata Baruch Eolamim. We'll look at that bracha. So we're now dealing with you're eating special fruit. Why is this special fruit? It's one of the seven. Part of the seven fruits by which Israel is blessed. Okay, that's why they're picked. Okay, Eretz Kitav Sarad Def Gefen Veteina, etc. Okay, Eretz H Semen Utvash. Okay, seven fruits by which Israel is blessed. According to Rabbi Gamliel, because Israel is blessed with that, you have to say, Berkat Amazon. Kachamim say, it's still fruit. It's not a full meal. Rachamein Shalosh, and we'll look at the te- we're going to deal with the actual text today of what that is supposed to be. Alright, so far so good? Okay, Gemara. Okay, you're going to have a, you'll be filled with, with food. All of those are in Syriatum as such. That uh, you're going to have Eretz Kitau Sarah, which is seven things. The Lomai Skud, you're going to have fruit to, to, that, you're gonna have, that you can eat. And then it says, If I take that order, what should I say at the end? Because we all say, You say, at the end. That's the thinking of Rabban Gamliel. If you look at the 
verse, it says Eretz Kitao Sarar Gefenus, etc. Then Eretz Zeit Shemun Udvash. The word Eretz appears twice. There's no reason for it to appear twice. You don't need it for the Hebrew. You don't need it for the context. The Rabbanan say the fact that it appears twice means everything before that is applied to the first Eretz. Everything after that is applied to the second Eretz. Zeit Shemen Udvash, you definitely don't say Berkat Amazon. You simply say Bracham Amein Shalosh. And therefore, that's what you do. That stops, in essence, the ad syriatum kind of approach that is that is necessary in this case. Uh, now, okay, Rabban Gamliel, we have an opinion. What are you going to say to that opinion? is you're, you're, you're harvesting the wheat and you take the raw stalks and you put it in your mouth and chew on it. Koseis. We've had this before. You're not really eating it. It's not bread. The, according to Chathamim, the Rabbanan, that's not really a meal. I don't have to say Birkat Amazon afterwards, etc. But everything else, okay, that I, according to them, all fo- follows in certain things. Okay, Rabban Gamliel said, Eretz Yifzikayinyan, Everything in that verse is all Borei Berkat Amazon. And what I don't have to do is something which is as I'm walking by, I'm chewing on a piece of the wheat. Is there any bracha you say before you chew on the wheat? No, not really, because it's not, you're not really eating it. I mean, you know, the question is whether you're swallowing it so little, unless there was a certain volume. Unless there was a certain volume. Okay, now. Okay, anything that's of the Chamesh Minim, what is the Chamesh Minim? Wheat, oats, barley, spelt, and rye. Anything made of those things, you have to say, Borei Minei Mizanot. And when you finish, Baracha Me'ein Shalosh, the abbreviated Birkat Amazon. Okay. Anything that's of the seven fruits by which Israel is acknowledged, by which it's blessed, you say Borei Priya Eitz, and you finish with Bracha Me'ein Shalosh. Okay? So we have some disagreements here. We'll deal with the halacha yet. But you can see that by this time, it hadn't been worked out over what you say sometimes before and for sure even afterwards. If it is a full meal, the halta of savata, does it have to be certain things that, 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 is, that is recite, that you have to eat, that you say Birkatamazon or Brachameyin Shalosh? Okay? So, let's take. Okay, Birkat Amazon, you all know, but let's turn to page 42 in a second for a minute. That's what he's saying. Oh, again, we're not, we haven't done halacha yet. Okay, this is the normal Birkat Amazon you're all referring You know, we dealt with this last year, two years ago. There are three brachot, and the fourth one is added. 
Um, Tova Amiti was added later. What, does anybody remember when it was added? Come on, for the test. When was it added? No, oh, forget <laughs> it. You should have known it. It's all taped. No excuses. Ah, uh, Beitar. The Bar Kokhba revolt. When, when they when they buried all of the bodies, they added the blessing Hatova Hametiv. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. Thanks very much. I feel very good today. All right. That's Birkatamazon. Three blessings, and then the fourth one added. Now, let's turn to page sixty-eight. Hold your fingers. No, you don't have to. This is bracha achrona or bracha me'en shalosh. Okay? This is for those who are here Saturday afternoon. This is what we recite because we don't have bread. Okay? So, Baruch Tashem Akhenavachalam is afterwards, either for cake, wine, cake and wine, or certain fruits. Okay? Depends what you've eaten because it's not necessarily a full meal. And then... That's no delicha. Rachim, That's the second paragraph of the Shema of the Barakat Amazon. Uvenei Yerushalayim. Yerakolosh from Rav Yemenu. Va'aleinu letochav v'samchenu v'vinyana v'nochal mi piryav v'nispah mi tuva. We should be privileged to go up to Jerusalem not simply Uvenei Yerushalayim. Yerakolosh from Rav Yemenu. Amen, which was the end of Barakat Amazon at one point. This is we should go up and be able to see its rebuilding and taste of its fruits. And it should be blessed with your sanctity. Okay? And then you can see different ones added for Shabbat, Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Hashanah, etc., etc. Turn the page, please. To the bottom of 70. Again, now, depending what you've eaten, Either michya, okay, cake, ala aretz val michya, wine, ala aretz val priya gafen, cake and wine, ala michya veal priya gafen, certain fruits, ala aretz veal ala perot. That'll come back. Remember that one, ala aretz veal ala perot. We're going to deal with that one. That's it. When you have things that just are liquids or foods that don't need special blessings, you finish it off with baruch atah shem alakina melachalam barenef ashot raban. Okay, you created everything. You've given us everything. We thank you, God, for giving us life and life to all creatures. So, this uh, content is all from the Talmud. We're going to get to the paragraph right now. We're going to get to the paragraph right now. We haven't done it yet, but it will be. It will be. All right. Hold this. Okay. You can keep. The you know just hold it open at that point. Now we're going to go and see where it comes from, Panina, as the background. Okay, go. As is usual, like my Hanukkah, they talk about Hanukkah and they say, "Oh, what's Hanukkah?" Okay, in Shabbat they do. They, you say this and they say, "Well, what is it really?" Not our normal logic. You would think in our normal logic and teaching, you would ask the question first, right? Okay, 
מקדשך ועל מזבחך, תבנה ירושלים עיר קודשך, במהרה בימינו ועלינו לתאכל ושמחנו בה. With a couple of changes, that's basically it. Okay, so that's your answer. It goes back to here. There are a couple of changes. Here it has Vitiv Ne Yerushalayim, and we had Uvene Yerushalayim. Okay, and we also had Valenu Tachav Samchenu Bevinyana Venochalmi Periav Nispami Tuva Unvarechala Bikushav Torah. So it's an extension of what this said, but this is the basic concept. If you have fruit. This is what you say after you've had the fruit. Nakter Karamazon, Bracha Me'en Shalosh, the basic text that we say today, that I just showed you, comes from the Talmud. And which Rabbi is responsible? Abayi Rabdimi, if we don't know exactly where it started, Abayi Rabdimi is in Babylonia. We're going to see that some of it was in Babylonia and some of it was in Palestine or Judea. We don't know exactly when this, you know, this may have been just a tradition by that time already. Okay, go ahead. Okay, of the five things that we talk about, Mizonot, and then you say exactly what they said. Allah Aretz, Allah Mechia. So it goes back to here again. Ah, but how do you finish this? What what bracha finishes all of this? Okay, this is the first part of it. Okay, today, if you look on uh, on, on page seventy or seventy one, That's what seems to be the end of what we do today. Presumably at that time they weren't quite sure of the text, and you'll see why in a moment. Okay, now it's again, it's the same Rav Dimi. Okay, Panina? Rav Dimi was a person who moved from Palestine to Babylonia back and forth. So he's bringing probably a Palestinian tradition to this. Okay, so on Rosh Chodesh, which we just say. Okay, we just say our Rachaman for Rosh Chodesh. Okay, Zakreinu letovah biyom Chodesh. I say he would finish it like we do for the Miyamida. Okay, he would say basically Baruch Mekadesh Yisrael the Rosh Chodeshim. What's more important, Rosh Chodesh or the fruit? To Rav, it's the calendar. Okay, it's the calendar. Again. Again, you know, the Borei Priyagafen is important, but we use the wine to bless the day. This would be the same concept. We're using the, the Perot to bless the day and the calendar. How does it then continue? Okay, Alaaretz Vel Perotea, translate that for me. On the land, on it and its fruits. And its fruits. Okay, ala arts ve'ala perot. Okay, right, the fruit. So, what's the difference? No, no, we'll keep reading, keep reading. Okay, Amram Amram says, There's no real difference. Ha, lan. The first one is for them. Who is for them? The ones in Palestine, the Babylonian Talmud. Uh-oh. The ha 
Now we say, Halan, ha, this one is for us. Okay, from Babylonia. Vahalahu. So what do we say in Babylonia? Because we're not there. On the land and its fruits. What do we say? We say on the land and its fruits. Because we're not in Eretz Yisrael. And you still have fruits that you have to thank God for. Okay, they eat meaning they're eating the payrot and everything and we're going to say al-payrotea ela the opposite okay that is for Babel that's for Eretz Yisrael so there's a disagreement then exactly how you finish it is it just which is what we do today or is it okay so now let's look at Iunim and, and if they do the Halachan with that we'll finish yes you still do payroll. That's what we now have accepted for everybody. That becomes that's now the the rigueur as such for everybody. How to exactly place it? Where is it? How do you put it into the context? So when you have two of them, which one do you put first? Some would say you put the peyrot first because that you've eaten. Alright? But, what do we say for Berkat Amazon? When we finish off the, the, the second bracha? Allah Aretz. So we say Aretz first, even though we're eating the food. Right? So why shouldn't it be that way? That's the disagreement of what should come first. Normally you don't have Yisrael as part of it. They brought this Rosh Chodesh to show you that Yisrael comes first before the date. Before the calendar itself. Rosh Chodesh in the second. And therefore we say Allah Aretz v'Allah Mazon Aretz v'Allah Peirot or Peiroteha. That concept of why we brought Rosh Chodesh is to show you Yisrael comes before Rosh Chodesh which is the same concept of Eretz coming before Peirot or Mazon in our case of Birkat Mazon. Finally, the Halacha, Orach Halacha. Okay, so that's the final bracha. Okay, if anything that relates to the Shivat Minim, you say, like the Rabbanan, Borei Priya and finish it off with the shortened form that we talked about here. So in those points, at least the halacha was, at that point, that you said the land and its fruits. Today, it's, we don't hold that anymore. And 
Okay, but uh, it, it just in, in the other case, a payroll. All right, so a couple of things from 